1: Right now on Fast and Earnings Bonanza, Alphabet, Microsoft, Visa, Texas Instruments and Chipotle all reporting a mixed bag for the stocks after hours will go inside the numbers straight ahead. Plus, countdown to the Fed. We are just 21 hours away from the next decision on interest rates. Consensus is 75 basis points. But could Powell pull out the bazooka and go 100? Former Atlanta Fed President Dennis Lockhart will be here in just a few minutes. And later, Shopify's sharp drop, the e-commerce platform falling nearly 14%. It's laying off 10% of its staff. Shopify, the latest company, to admit it misjudged how long the pandemic boom would last. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ market I'm in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Brasso, and Guy Adami. And we start off with the busy night of earnings, nearly four trillion dollars in market cap reporting results in just the last hour. Check out the action in Alphabet, Microsoft, Visa, and Chipotle. Our CNBC All Stars are lined up. They're all working away, digging into the numbers, listening into the conference calls. We started off with Deidre Bosa to break down Alphabet's quarter. Debo.
2: Well, hey, Melissa. I think the takeaway here is not good, but at least not terrible, and that is enough to send shares higher in the after hours, not by a whole lot though. Alphabet remains cheaper on a price to earnings ratio than its other mega cap peers, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. The company is of course contending with a slowing ad market, but it is perhaps less vulnerable than its peers like Meta and Snap, actually confirmed that it's less vulnerable because the results were much better. Now for one, Google has search ads and a greater exposure to travel ads, which CFO Ruth Porat called out as an area of strength, but maybe more surprisingly, especially in the wake of those walmart results this morning she also called out strength in the retail vertical now dollar strength however very much in focus in a not so great way it was a 3.7 percentage point headwind in the second quarter port telling me that she's expecting the forex headwind to be quote much greater in the third quarter melissa back to you
1: all right Debo, thank you dia bosa on alphabet earnings uh, karen we got to go to you first what was
3: your impression of the quarter it was good. It was a little bit of a relief. I thought that, you know, it was the tiniest miss. And yet what the stock has done in the last, you know, two weeks or so, that, that wasn't consistent with a tiny miss. That was looking for something much more dire, especially after we saw the snap news. So I thought it was very good. Some of the miss on the EPS was just noise. Google Cloud lost a little more money than I thought. Uh, other bets, which that's not really the story there. So. I thought it was good. I think that um, the $13 billion I think they spent to buy back stock, I think they'll continue to do that. So to me, it's all about uh, this is a behemoth that's on sale now and trading below the market multiple if you take out the cash. So I'm happy to own it.
1: Yeah. The context of the move higher, 3% in the after hours, they move lower about 11% the three months leading up to this report. Tim, what are some of the outstanding issues in your mind when it comes to this quarter?
4: Yeah. And it was a massive underperformer melt going into mm-hmm. this print down 11 percent against the Nasdaq over the last 12 days. So um, Karen's right. Also on valuation, if you look at this on a 23, it's about 18 times in a peg ratio. So price to earnings growth of one and a half. It, it's as much of a bargain as there is anywhere, let alone one of the biggest companies in the world that had 11.6 percent sales growth uh, in, in ad sales. This is their you know, this is 81 percent of their revenue profile or, or you know, roughly 56 of 69 billion. And and while there's a lot of headwinds that have been clearly flagged, this is kind of a relief. And and so I I think that's the whole call here. You had a number uh, that was better, even though you had some slight misses, but um, look what they did to the stock. And again, relative to the S&P, I think it's underperformed by about 15% since early April. So uh, big relief for one of the highest quality names out there. And and I'm not hearing the kind of headwinds that that people wanna hear about the consumer here.
5: Yeah, Uh, Grasso? Yeah, this is all about the setup. Yeah, you, you nailed it when you said that it was down 11% leading into this print. I, I think the, the main takeaway for me is the market realized today after the bell that this is not Snap. You're looking at a company that still can fire on all cylinders, although growth is slowing. The headline is slowest growth in, in two years. So if, for me, the takeaway, as Karen said, this is still a behemoth, still huge revenue, The market set up for a trade, and the market delivered here. It was a bounce, it was down leading into this. Uh, This is not the same quality of a company as Snap. It's much better than that. Longer term, I think you're fine. Shorter term, I think you probably sell whatever green you get.
1: Yeah, and I guess it depends on what you believe the the macro view is, Guy, or, or does it? I mean, the company is saying what it's saying, but if you believe, Guy, let's say you believe that we are in or headed for a recession, Um, then how do you feel about the stock?
6: Yeah, they're probably best suited though to, to, uh, weather that storm, I would Mm -hmm. imagine. Everybody said valuation. We've been talking about it for a while. I mean, Karen, listen, I would say it was an okay quarter. We've seen much better quarters out of Google over the years without question. This was good enough given the sell-off we've seen. And, you know, we're just getting back to where we basically closed yesterday. All that being said, YouTube (laughs) wasn't a disaster. And YouTube is probably, I don't know, 12% of their revenue. So that was good. And you can definitely wrap your head around a stock that without, you know, you talk about backing out the cash cheaper than a market multiple. But it's 17 times next year's numbers with probably, I don't know, low teens EPS revenue growth. That's okay in this environment. That's more than okay in this environment. $140
1: $140 billion of cash on hand as of the end of the quarter. Um, that's the number. Let's get to Microsoft now. Shares are actually turning positive in just the last few minutes, um, well off the lows. The company reporting a miss in the top and the bottom line. Steve Kovac with the details. Steve?
7: Yeah, Mel. That uh, turnaround in the stock is because of some positive uh, comments on demand from the CFO ahead of the earnings call. But uh, let's get to the results. Misses on the top and bottom line. 2.23 for EPS. 51.87 billion dollars for revenue. And Azure cloud growth—it's slowing. Mel, 40% growth versus 43% expected. That's a big thing to look at. Microsoft uh, giving a lot of reasons here for why it missed on its own outlook for an exchange look we were expecting this to be a big headwind but it's actually worse than they had even expected took 4 cents uh, off their eps and this is one that really sticks out to me mel a quote deteriorating PC market in June and those COVID lockdowns in China attributed to a $300 million revenue hit. So that kind of gives us a hint at what to expect from other hardware companies, especially Apple reporting on Thursday. And then there's advertising, a reduction in ad spend on search and LinkedIn. That was a $100 million hit. Pulling out of Russia, which we knew was going on already, $126 million. Add all that up, it's about a billion dollars, Microsoft tells me, hit to revenue. And look, we're going to have more commentary coming up soon from Satya Nadella on the call starting here in about uh, 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, um, and we'll also get the guidance at that point, which of course will be key. Steve, thanks for, for, for that. Keep us posted. The headline that Steve was referring to, by the way, was the CFO saying that they are not seeing a weakening in big corporate deals. Which is obviously the big question mark heading in. What does enterprise spend look like? And so far, indications look okay, Tim.
4: Yeah, that was, uh, look, that's what we want to hear the guide from Microsoft, whereas in Google, we were getting the, the view on the ad sales. Um, and everything we heard here, as they're at 40%, you know, it's weakening, uh, but it's still an incredible number and it's still the growth part of their business. And you heard about uh, surface sales and and they they mentioned strong commercial sales. They mentioned commercial bookings uh, being very strong. So not really weakness in enterprise. FX dynamics, not really what you should be that worried about uh, actually, even though the company gets more than 50% of their sales internationally. And I I look at the stock and I, you know, after the print, we we traded down to that 241 number uh, Uh, right after the print, which is the low that it hit on that June 17th. This is a stock that also um, has been struggling, even though while Nasdaq has had a bit of a rally over the last three to five weeks, uh, Microsoft has underperformed that. It tested that low, uh, very strong response in the after hours. Let's see how it goes, but um, not really anything to complain about on enterprise.
3: Uh,
1: This is the first time it has missed on both the top and the bottom line since April of 2016. Guy, how do you feel about Microsoft? A lot better?
6: It's also down from its all time high, some 30 or so percent. So yeah, I mean, it's, this is really an interesting one because I think it all hinged on that comment that we're not seeing a slowdown in demand. That was sort Mm -hmm. of the market's sigh of relief. And it took the stock to Tim's point from 242 or so to current levels. Now you have to say, all right, you still got 40% growth in the cloud, probably going to continue to slow, but that's still pretty remarkable in this environment. So that's okay. I mean, you throw in a LinkedIn even, which I mean, that seems to be contributing. God bless. I mean, I'm sure you get all those LinkedIn notifications. That's neither here nor there. And you say, are you okay with this stock trading 23 times next year's numbers? And you know what? I think I am for Microsoft understanding that growth will continue to slow, but this to me, and I've said it a number of times, is the most important company in the world. And if they're not seeing a slowdown yet, that's a pretty encouraging sign.
1: Karen, you're short IGV. You have been for a while, and I'm wondering how this makes you feel about that position.
3: Um, it makes me feel fine about that position I and mean, mm-hmm. Microsoft's in it, but I think that you know we come back to this issue of um, again where what is the market reflecting in its PE? And so here, this is obviously higher than Google. It's I think 24 maybe, um, and. At this, at this valuation for Microsoft, I think this was good enough. The one thing I think is most important, though, is that the stock's not trading down, right? And so even though it was a miss on the top line and the bottom line, I mean, maybe have we just oversold things going into this print? That, I think, is important for what happens the rest of the week.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you take them in total, them being Alphabet as well as Microsoft, despite the misses. The stocks are trading through this. And maybe to Karen's point, Grasso, this is, you know, reflecting uh, the fact that we have come down a lot going into this print, that this mar- all expectations have been ratcheted yeah, is, lower.
5: For me, it's all about the setup. And, and there is a difference, though, when you look at how much uh, percentage of revenue is derived from advertising from Microsoft to Google. It's not even close, right? It's, it's fractions. So I I think people sold off, investors sold this off on Snap, but make no mistake, you look at these longer term charts, these have been in a downtrend for quite some time. Snap put the nail in the coffin, but it was a little too presumptuous. These names are not the same quality, once again, as a Snap. But as far as the enterprise spending not ticking off yet, companies will freeze hiring, companies will then lay people off and then they will cut their, their spend on, on, on a Microsoft. So I, I think that's a little bit longer in the tooth as we get deeper into recession. Right now, I still say the same way. This is a trade. If you can get some green out of this post, uh, post earnings tomorrow morning, I would say take it. I think that these things are still way too extended. The pull forward was way too drastic. I think you have to take some profits.
1: Let's get more on these results uh, and bring in Jared Weisfeld, uh, Jeffrey's tech specialist. Jared, great to have you with us.
8: Thanks for having me, Melissa.
1: I I, I wanna start off first with Microsoft because we saw that stock turn on a dime with the CFO comment about not seeing weakness in large corporate deals. Are we jumping to conclusions here? When do companies, large companies, start to scale back on their spend typically in a cycle?
8: No, that's exactly right. And I think that's primarily the reason why we saw Microsoft reverse here after hours. You know, investors are on edge right now, appropriately so. I think there's a lot of nervousness in the investment community, especially with Bill McDermott making the comments that he made, the CEO of ServiceNow just a few weeks ago, talking about foreign exchange headwinds really impacting the business and slowing down. So to see CFO of Microsoft, Amy Hood, make that kind of comment, I completely agree with the prior comment that if Microsoft is making that statement, I think that's a good barometer for the rest of of tech. And listen, we saw this during the heart of the pandemic with respect to accelerating investments in digital transformations to really make sure that businesses were competitively positioned. And this is going to be the last investment that you cut. You want to make sure that you're moving to the cloud. You want to make sure that you're spending on Azure and AWS, etc. cetera.
9: Um,
1: we actually have some breaking news. Sorry. Sorry. Uh- just put a pin in it for now, Jared. We got breaking sure. news on Twitter and its deal with Elon Musk. Julia Borson's got the story. Julia. Well,
4: uh, Melissa, Twitter has announced that it's going to be holding the vote on the Musk merger on September 13th. So this is the latest from the company. Of course, we are still awaiting a date um, for the lawsuit um, for when when the um, the Delaware court will hear that lawsuit. But now that we have the date um, of Uh, of the 13th of September. That is the next inflection point here. This is all part of an SEC filing um, that reiterates that this is going to be the special meeting when they will be voting on this September 13th at 10 a.m. Pacific. Melissa, we're going to continue to dig through here. All right, Julia.
1: Thanks, Julia Borson. Karen, I got to go to you on this. It's just a formality. I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously, they're still awaiting the court date.
3: Right. Well, it is a formality, but it's also it's also a tactic in that if they get the vote, which of course they will get, that they're gonna to go to the judge when they have the hearing in October. And when the judge rules and they hope it's in their favor, they'll say, okay, there are no conditions left to close. We are in a position to close immediately. That puts a lot of pressure on Elon to try to wriggle away again. Yeah, and what's your current position here? Uh, your trading position, Karen? <laughs> I, I am short a straddle, short a uh, August 1940 straddle. I just don't think that much is gonna happen in the next three, three weeks.
1: Yeah. OK. Um, let's uh, get back to the big cap tech earnings. Tim, you had a question for Jared.
4: Jared, I, I guess you know, if we firewall around, we heard PC sales, we heard concern about the end of June and, and enterprise. Just you know, give your read through here. And, and as a, someone that's covering the sector, uh, are you concerned by that PC announcement? Uh, because we are looking for places where somebody's rolling over here. For sure, Tim. At the end of the day, PCs are slowing
8: considerably. Consumer is in a really tough spot right now with respect to end market. We're seeing weakness in both consumer smartphones and consumer PCs. So when you think about the fact that you know Windows OEM for Microsoft is a very high margin business, that's definitely a headwind when you think about the business heading into fiscal 2023. So when you think about where you want to be allocating capital right now, certainly nervousness around the consumer, especially in the context of uh difficult economic conditions and the potential recession that we're already in we saw walmart walmart's announcement this morning i think you definitely want to be focusing more towards on that enterprise spend and more importantly that mission critical enterprise spend that can't get cut off because it's so critical to the enterprise which is why i think that comment is really important from uh, the cfo of microsoft uh, that enterprises they're not really seeing any weakness right now
1: Um, What is the read-through, if if any, uh, from Alphabet? Jared, I'm I'm just wondering what your general take is of the quarter, but but more importantly, what this read-through might mean for a meta-
8: for sure, the Alphabet print I thought was the star of the night. I mean, expectations were clearly lowered after Snapchat was down 40% last week on, you know, a shocking, uh, a shocking miss for the for the forward quarter with revenue f- tracking flat year on year. You know, the fact that Alphabet was able to grow advertising revenue, search revenue up 13% year on year, YouTube up 5% year on year. Just to help put it in perspective, investors were bracing for single digits on, on search for potentially negative growth in YouTube. You know, this is a business that is levered to advertising growth, and we're seeing pretty broad-based strength in the current quarter. And we'll see what the conference call uh, yields in terms of incremental color. But, you know, I think you certainly have to be incrementally more positive on Meta, but also beware. Right? Meta is still facing significant structural headwinds with Apple platform changes as well as competition from TikTok.
1: Jared, great to see you. Thanks. Thank you. Jared Weisfeld of Jefferies. Uh, I asked Jared what the read-through was from Alphabet. So, Guy, what's the read-through from Microsoft to
6: others? Well, you know, maybe ServiceNow, maybe they saw something that Microsoft isn't seeing right now. Maybe, you know, I, it's encouraging to me that Microsoft came out and said they're really not seeing that pull. They're not seeing a, a slowdown in that side of the demand equation. So that's good. Understanding, again, that cloud growth is slowing. I get all that. But the fact that their main core businesses are still seemingly intact is encouraging, which is why you could probably get your arms around a 23 times forward valuation for MSFT.
1: Yeah, and of course we are still awaiting Uh, guidance from a lot of these these players and and also the conference call from Microsoft gets underway in just about uh, 13 minutes time. Meantime, coming up, more earnings movers on deck. We'll bring you the after hours action in Chipotle and Visa. Our earnings lineup is ready and standing by. And later, investors bracing for the next Fed decision is a 100 basis point hike even on the table. We'll be joined by former Atlanta Fed President Dennis Lockhart to map out Powell's playbook. Stick around. More Fast Money Ahead.
10: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got earnings alerts on more after-hours movers starting with Chipotle. The stock is surging after reporting adjusted earnings of 9.30 a share revenues coming in slightly below estimates. Kate Rogers has more on the report. Kate... Hey, Melissa, well, you just said it. Revenues slightly lower than expected. Comps increasing 10.1
11: percent, but that was also a bit lower than expected. EPS a beat, though, for Chipotle. Its in-restaurant sales were up 35.9 percent. Digital sales were at 39 percent of its total food and beverage revenue for the quarter. In terms of guidance, Chipotle sees its Q3 comps up mid to high single digits compared to 7 percent climb, estimated by analysts. Now, on the call, CEO Brian Nickel continuing to tout the brand's pricing power and value proposition staffing remains above 2019 levels and that lower income consumers have pulled back a bit. We heard the same from McDonald's, but that the majority of customers in their base do continue to spend. The company also testing the waters a bit in Europe with a handful of restaurants in the UK, saying it's promising so far and that Europe could be another growth layer for Chipotle in the future. CEO Brian Nicol will join us tomorrow at 1030 a.m. on Squawk on the Street. That's a first on CNBC interview. So tune in for
1: much more on all of this. Back over to you. All right, Kate. Thanks, Kate Rogers. Let's trade Chipotle. And dare I say, Guy, this was a burrito blowout.
6: Oh, you just you've just been dying to say it. You Four know, it seems a year, like it usually every works. quarter is a burrito blowout. I mean, I can't remember the last bad quarter. Now, the stock hasn't traded particularly well. I think this time last year was a 1900 stock traded down, obviously below 1400 bouncing here why well comps were a slight miss but the margins are hanging in there so they're able to pass along that's a really good sign to me and you look and you say wait a second this stock's trading at you know 30 times next year's numbers ish well talking about a company that still has almost 32 percent or so eps growth so said for a while i think the stock is very fairly valued hasn't traded that way it seemingly reports bounces sells off I think you stay with the name here. You don't have to run out and buy it tomorrow, but I think you want to stay the course with CMG.
1: Yeah. um, Consumers paying for price increases. That was also a key theme out of McDonald's today, Tim.
4: Yeah. And, and so I, I muttered something back to you last night, whether we thought the environment that was bad for Walmart was going to be good or bad for McDonald's. I, I thought it was going to be okay. What McDonald's said clearly today is that the lower in, the lower income consumer is having some trouble, but where they're more than making up for it is through price increases on the menu. And, and and this is a very opposite story. So these numbers out of McDonald's were fantastic. Again, their scale, their global reach, their international comps were fantastic. The U.S. comps were 3.7. They're expecting three. So very strong numbers. And, and, and when you think about that relative to chipotle chipotle on the other hand said actually the higher income consumer is their bread and butter and their frequency is increasing And it's just extraordinary when you think about that, that this is an environment that's actually good for CMG. Um, And back to how Guy talked about the trading dynamics. This stock that traded down to 1300 in January uh, and before this after hours move was not far off of that January low. Yet you'd had four runs of plus or minus 20 20 to 25 percent to trade this stock during this period. It is one of the great stocks. And of course, this is fast money. So uh, worth mentioning.
1: All right, let's get to Visa now. Earnings also out after the Bell shares initially popping after reporting a bean on the top and the bottom lines. But now in the red, down by six-tenths of a percent. Kate Rooney's got the latest in the conference call. Kate. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, Visa seen double-digit growth in a few parts of the business for the quarter. Revenue grew 19
11: percent. The strong dollar This just came out on the call was a drag by three points on net revenue. Payments volume was up 12 percent. Cross-border volume up 40 percent. That tends to be the higher margin part of the credit card business that had been hit during those pandemic lockdowns. Also saying on the call that cross-border volume surpassed 2019 levels for the first time since the pandemic began. So strong recovery there. CEO Al Kelly highlighting strength in the consumer. He talked about recession risk and says, quote, based on our numbers, we haven't seen any evidence of the consumer pulling back spending in our markets. He also talked about inflation, saying it's too early to draw any definitive conclusions, but says Growth remains strong during inflationary periods for Visa, although long-term inflation, not good for the consumer or overall economy. It comes after a strong quarter for Amex as well. No guidance yet. We're waiting for
1: more on that in the call. We'll bring any highlights. Back to you. All right, Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney, Karen, uh, your take on Visa.
3: So, I, I mean, uh, Kate touched on a, the, the cross-border. That's such good business for them. And so that was a huge number. So, that was really important for them to drive the beat here. But I think it's interesting, you know, the stock's at 29 or so times earnings. It's not the highest P.E. multiple it's had. It's kind of in the range. But um, it's expensive, especially if you think, all right, they haven't really seen any kind of pullback yet. Um, however, they're extraordinary at, at meeting every time. So I certainly wouldn't bet against them. I do own some MasterCard. Mr. Recession, what is your take
1: on Visa?
5: Yeah. Yeah, well, this, this, uh, the would you rather that you didn't ask. Visa would be better than MasterCard for me. But when I look at a chart, Visa has been in a declining trend for the last year. Granted, it's, it looks like an EKG if you see it on, on a chart. Uh, Karen finished up saying they, they don't see any pullback yet. I think it's too early to see a pullback. It's the same type of thing that we're seeing in Microsoft. You're not seeing that pullback yet but I believe it will come, and I believe there's a reason why they've been in a declining trend. So I would worry about operating expenses going up and revenues going down in the future as the recession, whether it's short, shallow, long, or deep, starts to take hold. All right,
1: coming up. It wasn't just after-hours earnings that caught our attention today. We'll take a look at some of the other reports that had some uh, big moves. The trade straight ahead, but first to see of red on Wall Street as investors await the big Fed decision tomorrow. What do investors want to hear from the central bank? We will break that down next. You're watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Back right after this.
0: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money, a rough day on Wall Street. The Nasdaq leading the losses off almost 2 percent, the S&P and Dow falling by about 1 percent. The drops coming as the Fed gets ready to deliver a key decision on interest rates. And one former official at the central bank believes it will be very deliberate in its message tomorrow. Dennis Lockhart is a former Atlanta Fed president. He held the post during the height of the financial crisis. He joins us on Fast Money tonight. Dennis, great to have you with us. Thank you, Melissa. Um, so you think seventy five basis points is a foregone conclusion, very, very little chance of one hundred basis points. What do you think the messaging of the Fed will be in the in the press conference afterwards?
9: Well, I think they're going to put the focus on inflation, that inflation continues to be a challenge, that we have not yet seen a break lower or a deceleration. Uh, that will clearly come through, and I think they're going to emphasize, uh... their commitment to tackling the inflation problem
1: you say dennis that the fed has very few tools limited limited tool bag i think is the phrase <laughs> that you use in the pre-interview to fight inflation particularly when there are so many other um... issues going on around this environment which which are are major factors that the fed cannot control um... particularly when it comes to uh... russia's invasion of ukraine et cetera and so i'm wondering if you think there will be a lot of collateral damage. I mean, if the Fed, if the Fed only has a hammer, for instance, and you you need a, a Phillips head screwdriver, will the Fed just keep hammering away at that screw at the risk of of damaging everything around it?
9: Well, I don't know if you would call it damage, but I I think your basic point is well taken, and that is that that they're taking full responsibility for our inflation problem in the U.S. economy and at the same time their tools are not adequate to deal with all the root causes of inflation so the tendency would be to try harder or to use your tools more aggressively in order to try to get the outcome you want and that could create a, a deeper or a longer slowdown than than desired is that
1: the risk that you see happening i mean it it, it seems like the Fed is in a really tough spot at this point. I mean, housing, for instance, is one area that the Fed needs to, to try and slow down, and our mortgage rate's going to 6%. Is that going to do it in an environment when inventory is so tight and prices remain elevated anyway?
9: The longer uh, elevated inflation readings persist, the greater the risk, I, it seems to me. And so the next two or three readings, next two or three cycles of inflation data and that we'll have two between now and the September meeting. I think will be very telling. Uh, the, the stubbornness of inflation could turn out to be a problem uh, for the reasons that you already pointed out, uh, and they are that that uh, the, the causes of this inflation uh, are not strictly speaking, completely at least, uh, monetary in nature.
5: Mr. Lockhart. I read a a data point that the Fed, on average, eight months after they start hiking, they are cutting rates. Now, I know that's that's not it's not going to be in the realm of cerebral content that you need to base an answer off of. But does that seem right to you if you just were to whiteboard something here? And I know that's not the world that we live in now.
9: You know, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. It, it, clearly, it's going to depend on how uh, the inflation data and other economic data play out in the coming months and into 2023. But uh, a pivot like we saw in March, only a pivot to start cutting rates as opposed to raising rates, is not the kind of uh, playbook that the Fed would like to to use, it seems to me. And, and I, I, I think that what may very well happen is they'll get to a stopping point and then there will be several months uh, of, uh, you know, basically rate on hold until they begin to cut. That scenario seems more, at least more desirable from a policymaking point of view. Whether the data allow that is another question.
1: Do you think Dennis will be in a recession by the end of the year?
9: Well, let me first say, I think we have to start defining the terms uh, of what we're talking about by recession. We're clearly already seeing an emerging slowdown. So if a recession is negative growth and uh, higher unemployment, uh, I think there is a chance that that's going to be the the situation. Uh, I think some amount of slowdown is highly desired and intended by Uh, the Fed in order to take the edge off of demand, whether it turns out to be more severe than is necessary, I think, is an open question at this point. I think a softish landing is still conceivable. But uh, the longer we see these high inflation numbers, the greater the risk of something that is not intended.
1: You know, I, I started the interview, Dennis, by giving the viewers the sort of the, the backdrop of your thinking in terms of what they'll do tomorrow. You think they will do 75 basis points. You think there is very little chance sub 5% that they do 100 basis points. Do you think they should do 100 basis points?
9: Um, I, I, as you said, I, I think 75 is, is pretty certain, but I would put a non-zero probability on a meeting at the meeting decision to be more bold I think that would happen only if the chair really wanted to lead the committee in that direction we don't really have a good indication of what J Powell's thinking is at the moment so I don't I don't think it's impossible that they would do a hundred uh, front ending the rise in in the rate seems to me to make sense They they basically they broke that membrane last uh, in the last meeting. And uh, so the difference between 75 and 100 uh, may not be, uh, you know, all that uh, serious a, a, a break in, in, in precedent. And so I wouldn't totally rule it out.
1: Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Hope to see you soon.
9: Thank you so much.
1: Dennis Lockhart. Guy, your take.
6: Well, if they which I'm sure they did, you know, you listen to the Walmart call, you listen to what they said, inflation, I mean, it's a problem. It's not just Walmart, seemingly everybody. So, you know, they can sort of, they can take their foot off the gas. They can say, you know, we're we're data dependent. Re- the reality is the data suggests they're a couple of years behind the curve and they got to go full speed ahead. And if the markets sell off on the back of it, that's just sort of the, that's, that's just sort of the environment that we find ourselves in. So. I don't see how they can say anything but inflation is still the problem that we're facing. We're going to do everything we can to quell it. And that requires us to continue to be fierce in our objective. And I think that's at the end of the day, you know, you don't fight the Fed when they are adding liquidity. Well, don't fight it when they are taking it away.
1: This notion, though, that exists out there that there could be a pivot in the Fed's approach. I mean, Mr. Lockhart seems to think that that is not in the cards anytime soon, Tim. And that's you are actually pointing that out on our conference call today.
4: Yeah, I, I just think the market is priced in some non-zero percentage, to use his term, that the Fed is going to be softer in their tone here. They're going to go 75. Um, I don't think the market likes what, what uh, Dennis Lockhart just said, even though I think he's right about the direction of the Fed.
1: Coming up, check out these huge moves in Shopify, UPS, GM, and GE. How to play all those stocks next. Plus, Meta on deck to report earnings of stock getting cut in half this year. What are the options markets predicting? We'll head to the pits for the trade. That's straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a trader's choice on some of the stocks that saw big moves during the trading session today. We start off with GM dropping about 3.5% after it said that supply chain issues took a toll on its quarterly profits. UPS also down as delivery volumes came in below forecast. Higher rates did help offset the drop, and the company did post overall sales and earnings above estimates. GE, meantime, closed well in the green thanks to strong demand in its jet engine unit. The company posted better than expected earnings and positive cash flow. And then there was Shopify, which reports tomorrow. But shares dropped by more than 14 percent ahead of the results after the company said it will lay off around 10 percent of its global workforce. So which sparks your interest, Karen?
3: Yes, uh, UPS sparks my interest. So I thought, I liked what they had to say. I mean, Carol Tomei has done a fantastic job. They just want to make more revenue per package, and they're doing that. And they've done a great job. It's a little bit of an embarrassment to FDX, which I do own. Their margins aren't as good, they don't run as good as a ship. Hopefully that will change. But I liked what UPS had to say. Uh, Guy?
6: You're not going to believe it, Mel, but Shopify, 100 and basically 80 dollar stock around Thanksgiving traded 30. You just mentioned it laying off 10 percent of the workforce. Report tomorrow. Everybody's expecting disaster. Probably will happen. But you know what? If it trades down to 28 or so, you're talking about a company that's finally trading less than five times revenue. And if you have a huge volume day, which you're going to get for the first time in a long time, I think Shopify below 30 could be really interesting for a long
4: side trade.
1: Huh. Tim, which name?
4: Well, so let me just throw the, the, the new name, which is GM, but not a name uh, that's new to me. I talk about this all the time. I, she, she was reiterated that the full year guide, which, by the way, is well above where the street is. So either someone's way off or, or you have to see some changes, I think, on the street side. Lower end of the range. But the, the most important thing is I think they've given an indication of peak supply disruption. Uh, they've confirmed that they've got and secured all the EV supplies they need for batteries after 2025. So I thought this was a very good report.
1: And last but not least, Grasso.
4: GE,
5: this stock has been, I still own it. It's been trapped below its 50 day moving average since February of this year. It just popped its head above it. Larry Culp has much work to do. He's got to break this up, but this will be an aviation focused company when he is done. We're not there yet. Unadjusted earnings. There was a loss, so everyone got excited that it wasn't as bad as it, as they had thought it was going to be. But I think there are much greener skies ahead for GE. I am still long.
1: Coming up, Meta stirring up the options markets. We'll tell you how traders are playing the tech name ahead of earnings tomorrow. We've got the details next. Plus, we're keeping an eye on all the big action in the after-hours session Chipotle, Visa, Microsoft, Google, all on the move. The latest from the conference calls when fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The big tech earnings parade continues tomorrow with the company formerly known as Facebook headlining the slate. And for the first time, analysts are expecting Meta to report a drop in revenues. One options trader is making a million dollar bet that the stock is due for a drop, too. Mike Coe's got the action. Hey, Mike.
5: Yeah, so the options market right now implying a move of about 11% after they report earnings. That's higher than the 8.7% that the company has averaged over the last eight quarters. Most of that skewed by the most recent two quarters where it reported numbers that moved the stock by 17 and 26% respectively. The way options traders sometimes try to take advantage of elevated premium is with calendar spreads. And we saw several of those today, including a diagonal. The trader sold. 1500 of the July 29 weekly 147 strike puts and then bought the same amount of August 160 strike puts, spending about 1.1 million in premium. And we like to say that you like your stock to go through your long strikes and to your short strikes. This trader is obviously betting that the stock is going to drift lower between now and August expiration.
3: Hmm. What do you think, Karen? Well, I'm long, so I think it'll go up. I, I hope that you know this Google print is uh, reflective of okay things could have been worse. The stock has traded like things are unraveling, and yet it's at a multiple that doesn't you know even if they miss, I would think that the penalty shouldn't be really severe. So to me, it's sort of asymmetric to the upside. Yeah, Grasso?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at a chart on it. It's right at that pandemic low. I actually had to look twice at that at, at the chart. It really should be stacked with, with nothing but tailwinds. But as we've said before, Meta doesn't know what it is. So investors have no idea how to quantify it. They know there's going to be a lot of spend. So when you start talking about multiples, you don't understand what that multiple should be when there's gonna be an egregious amount of money spent on the metaverse when no one understands how you're gonna make money from the metaverse. So I think they've lost focus, investors have lost focus, and that's why the stock has not popped yet.
1: Okay, our thanks to Mike Co. Uh, for more Auctions Action, be sure to tune into the full show, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, coming up. The latest from these after-hours names, Alphabet, Microsoft, Chipotle, all on the move. We'll bring you the details, don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of NuCore. Catch the full exclusive interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. And don't forget, you can have Kramer delivered right to your inbox with the CNBC Investing Club. Sign up now at cnbc.com slash join the club or by using the QR code on your screen. Let's get another look at tonight's earnings movers. Chipotle, Texas Instruments, Alphabet, Visa, The CFO saying, by the way, they're not seeing signs of a pullback in consumer spending. That happened on the conference call. Microsoft is uh, right now down by one and a quarter percent. And Chipotle is still a blowout, up eight percent. Karen, you had some thoughts here. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, they just had some interesting commentary talking about they were able to raise prices, but talking about avocado, dairy, tortillas and packaging pricing all moving up. And then uh, they also cited that some of their newer employees weren't so proficient at making burritos as they could have been, so hopefully that the, they'll get up the learning curve and be more efficient. It's just interesting how they run their business. They uh, clearly do an extraordinary job. All that having been said, the multiple is 41 going into this. It's probably 43 and change tomorrow. It's been too expensive for me for a long time, and that's been the wrong move. You got to go to a burrito school or something. Uh, Guy, did you work at
1: Chipotle? <laughs> I don't think you did. You know,
6: no, I did not. But if you do recall, uh, after I went to Shake Shack for the day, that stock exploded. Domino's, that stock exploded. So maybe the good people at CMG should invite me for the day. I'm sure that my learning curve in terms of making burritos would be great. Although I will tell you, I'd be one of those people. My burrito would be way too thick. I wouldn't get it in a tin foil. It'd be really, it'd be a mess.
1: (laughs) Talk about packaging costs. if If
5: you ever went. and guy would go to work for Chipotle, and then he would explode. Oh, yeah, Well, Wow, <laughs>
4: it's a I family mean, show. Ten that's thoughts for another on Visa. show, right? Visa,
1: by the way, is that After Hour session loves.
4: Yeah, I, I think the, the concern around the spend is still something that's there. The cross-border dynamics are, are issues that certainly affect Visa. Um, it's, it's, look, we have not seen uh, the consumer come uh, under the kind of pressure that we thought we'd hear. In some sense, you expected a bit of a relief here. But there was nothing in those trends, even though there was a slight beat, that lets you go out and buy that stock.
1: Yeah. Um, Steve, which after-hours movers uh, piques your interest at this point?
5: Well, I, I think that you're going to get a whole push on uh, when you look at the large cap tech space. You really have to analyze how, how what percentage of revenues are these companies deriving from ads. And when you look at how Amazon is thrown into the whole mix, where once again they have, like uh, Microsoft, have a fraction of their earnings are coming from advertising, and they still sell off between seven and 9% on the back of a snap, I think you have to reassess and look for trades in this marketplace and then take those trades when the market gives it to you. So I would look at large cap tech. I would look for the rest of the week. I would look at Amazon in particular.
1: Yeah, Amazon is interesting. We, we flagged the move lower in the after hours on, on the back of Walmart result, results yesterday. Guy, how's it looking to you at this point?
6: Well, I think the setup should be okay, but we've Mm -hmm. seen this before with Amazon, and they've surprised us to the upside in a meaningful way, and they've surprised us to the downside. So, I would submit, with Amazon right here, you're flipping a coin, as Carter Worth would say, you're looking at a pair of two. so I'd rather wait and see what they say and then trade it from there. In terms of Visa quickly, yeah, they're not seeing a slowdown because people have no choice. They're forced to spend on things, so... I mean, I, I take that one with a grain of salt, number one. Valuation has been rich always, continues to be, but the trend has been And If you go back to July of last year when the stock was 250, it's been basically a series of lower highs and lower lows. So to me, it's got to close above 215 for me to see a breakout to the upside. We're not there.
1: All right, we're just getting these headlines from the Visa conference call, which is going on right now. The CFO is saying that fourth quarter net revenues could grow at the high teens to 20% range. In constant dollar, high teens to 20% range. Um, that's the guidance so far. Up next, we've got your final trades. Final trade time, Tim.
4: Now, who you got in the Subway Series tonight? Look at the color of my tie for your answer. Uh, UPS, consolidated margin of 13.7% is certainly best in the business. Stay there, UPS.
1: I am wearing an orange blazer. But I'm a Yankees fan. Karen.
3: Oh, yeah, I like that one, Tim. Um, my final trade is, oh, thank God, that could have been so much worse. Google, if I owned none, I would buy it right here.
5: Steve. I'm looking for Amazon to be trading mid-20s by the end of the week. Go Yankees. Guy. Tenant
12: healthcare, sister. All right, thanks for watching. Mad Money starts right now.